BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to a breath of fresh earth, taking the commitment to a clean environment to the next level. Your host, Rick Friedman, will crown the climate hero and villain of the week, along with discussing worldwide environmental issues, showcasing new products designed with the longevity of our planet in mind, and putting the spotlight on the individuals making a big impact in helping the climate and pollution crisis through social media. Now, your host, Rick Friedman. The International Union for Conservation of Nature is the organization that releases their red list of threatened species. Many of these animals are vanishing before our eyes. There has been and always will be nature eliminating a species throughout time. Even in a perfect world, life changes. But the way we're destroying their habitat and poisoning the air, water, and land quickens the pace of their demise. Here's a list of the most endangered species in the world. Number one on this year's list is a Republican with a spine. Ah! Endangered animals are nothing to joke about, but spineless Republicans are. Okay, back to the story. The group gives nine categories of the status of every species. Extinct, beyond reasonable doubt that the species is gone, kaput, out of here. The confused moth is but one of hundreds of examples. And let's face it, with a name like the confused moth, is it a surprise that it's extinct? Other categories include extinct in the wild means it only survives in captivity, critically endangered, like the black rhino, endangered, like the mountain gorilla, vulnerable, considered to be high risk but not quite panic time yet, near-threatened, like the American buffalo and the white rhino, and another category is least concern, unlikely to become extinct in the near future, like the green snout parrotfish or McDonald's restaurants. Data deficient, an example of this category would be Stephen Nash's titty, no, not the famous basketball player, but a type of New World monkey named after scientist Stephen D. Nash. And without knowing too much about the species, wouldn't the obvious answer be two? And the last one is not evaluated. These are species that haven't been evaluated at this time. Doesn't mean they don't have a reason to worry, just means no one's checked them out yet. Loss of habitat, pollution, and climate change threaten millions of species. Who is on the chopping block today? 
The vaquita. The most endangered marine mammal in the world is the vaquita. Today, the species is on the brink of extinction. The vaquita is a species of porpoise that lives near the northern end of the Gulf of California. The vaquita is about five feet in length, and scientists say there may be as few as 10 to 20 of them left in the world. They get stuck in the nets of fishermen illegally catching the tatuaba. We talked about the tatuaba in episode three, referring to the documentary Sea of Shadows. Vaquita habitat is restricted to a small portion of the upper Gulf of California, also known as the Sea of Cortez. Good luck to the vaquita in 2021. May you be fruitful and multiply many times. And what animal or plant didn't get to see the ball drop in Times Square to celebrate 2021? The smooth handfish is a goner. Handfish get their name, or should I say, got their name, because their front fins look a little bit like human hands that help them walk around the ocean floor. The handfish lived off the coast of Tasmania. Did you ever see the 1986 movie The Fly, where a household fly gets stuck in Jeff Goldblum's teleportation device? and the machine splits the cells of the scientist, and the fly and mixes them together, and things go horribly wrong. I prefer the 1958 version with Vincent Price. Help me! Help me! But the special effects in the Goldblum version were both amazing and disgusting. Hey, did someone say Jeff Goldblum? Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park? Yes! That Jeff Goldblum. And we start off the new year with yet another reference to Jurassic Park. All is good. The smooth handfish looks like someone stuck a pair of hands and a fish inside the teleportation machine, and the results were really weird. There are still some varieties of handfish in the sea, but the smooth handfish is gone. Here's your social media minute. Check them out after the show. Ready, get set, go. Janae Claiborne is a wildly successful vegan author, chef, and social media star. You can learn more about her amazing transition from blogger in New York City to her thriving business in Los Angeles. Search up Sweet Potato Soul, and you'll find all her social media links where you'll see hundreds of delicious and easy-to-make vegan recipes, cooking videos, and healthy eating tips. Her motto cracks me up. It says, committed to helping save the world one tummy at a time. There's 9,500 people following her on Twitter and 80,000 people on her Facebook page and 361,000 following her on Instagram. Go to YouTube and see this superstar in action. She has over 600,000 subscribers, and her beginning guide to going vegan has been viewed more than one and a half million times. That's Sweet Potato Soul. That was only 50 seconds. That wasn't one social media minute. I'd have to drag this out for another one second. Janae Claiborne. Want to see some more of us? Head over and meet us on Instagram. Now it's time for the Climate Villain of the Week. The United States doesn't have dibs on ignorant members of their Congress. In 2021, I'll be pointing out climate villains from around the world, not just in the United States. And today we put our focus on Craig Kelly, a former furniture salesman who spent a decade in the Australian Parliament. He's a climate change denier-in-chief. Shortly after the horrible fires in Australia last year, Mr. Kelly said, Bushfires have nothing to do with climate change. And beware of climate alarmists. Everything they tell you is a lie. Kelly, who's 56 years old, insists that he's just trying to protect everyday Australians from higher energy prices and lost jobs in coal and other industries. If you look at his Facebook page, Kelly, a member of the House of Representatives in Australia and friend of Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison, Kelly posted two sarcastic items. The first one, global warming Spanish style. Spain records lowest temperature ever at minus 34 degrees Celsius. And just imagine how cold it would have really been without all that global warming. 
and Beijing, minus 19.6 Celsius. Coldest morning in more than five decades. I can just imagine discussions amongst the Chinese Communist Party leaders in Beijing. We must take real action on global warming. And his response to the riot at the Capitol was just as absurd. What's the greater threat to democracy? A small group of protesters completely in bold and capitalized, overdoing it, and invading a parliament for a short period of time, parentheses, which for avoidance of doubt and to pacify trolls is completely unacceptable, and they should all be arrested, and then leaving, enabling the parliament to recommence shortly thereafter, or a social media giant censoring and shutting down the account of a democratically elected leader, and deceptive misleading the public for the reason of the censorship and silencing, by falsely implying he was inciting violence, when he was actually pleading, we have to have peace. Come on, Mr. Kelly, speak the truth. It's time for the Climate Hero of the Week. Joe Biden has promised to take action in the fight against climate change. He nominated two qualified women to begin that challenge. First up is Gina McCarthy. She's the president of the NRDC, that's the National Resources Defense Council, an organization that does battle in courtrooms defending climate, public health, and wildlife. Ms. McCarthy led the EPA under President Obama from 2013 until 2017, and under Joe Biden, she will become the first national climate advisor. I checked her Twitter profile, and while 6,000 people follow her, she only follows one person. You got it, Joe Biden. And our second hero today is Jennifer Grenholm. The former attorney general and governor of Michigan was nominated to run the Department of Energy under Joe Biden's administration. One interesting tidbit about her run for governor in 2006 is that she beat Dick DeVos by a large margin. If that name sounds familiar, he's married to outgoing Secretary of Uneducation Betsy DeVos. Even his net worth of $5 billion couldn't topple Miss Granholm. Good luck to both nominees moving forward. There were so many things to choose from, but here's a list of the five biggest climate stories to me from 2020. Fire. We started the year with the terrible fires in Australia, fires in the Amazon, and the western part of the United States. Hurricanes. Last year was a record for hurricanes with a total of 30 storms. Whew, it's hot. 2020 was just two hundredths of a degree cooler than 2016, the hottest year ever recorded. The earth is nearly two degrees Fahrenheit warmer now than it was in the 20th century. And greenhouse gas concentrations in the atmosphere are still rising. COVID-2 helped drop emissions in 2020. That is not the way to do it. And lastly, Biden's victory. There are too many reasons to list, but Biden's victory brings the United States back to the world as a player in the fight for climate change. If you need professional assistance with your social media presence, I suggest you call at Properly Social. They've been a big help to me with the show, and I'm sure they could help you too. I don't really understand how they do it all, but they've helped me grow the podcast. Last week, I climbed 45 slots in Apple Podcasts to my new all-time high ranking. I couldn't have done it without them, I know that and I was the 30th most popular nature podcast in Australia. We've all heard of the Nobel Prize. They're given in physics, chemistry, medicine, literature, and economic sciences. And, of course, the Nobel Peace Prize. Winners include some of the brightest minds in history. In addition to the prestige of the award, it comes with a pretty nice paycheck, too, worth more than a million dollars. The prize is named after Alfred Nobel. If you don't know the story of how the award came to be known for the famous Swede, here's the short version. 
Nobel, born in 1833, made a fortune during his life and most notably was for his invention of dynamite. When his brother died, a local newspaper incorrectly listed Alfred as the dead brother, calling him the Merchant of Death. Ouch. That's kind of harsh. And it struck a chord with Alfred, who didn't want that to be his legacy. So he changed his will and insisted his fortune be used to create a series of prizes for those who confer the greatest benefit on mankind. So where's the Nobel Prize for the Environment? There should be something like that, right? Turns out there is, and it's been around since the mid-70s. Seems, once again, I'm a little late to the party. In the 1960s and 70s, nobody talked about sustainability or global warming. In America, racial tensions in the Vietnam War filled TV screens and newspaper editorials. There was no internet, TikTok, or Facebook. Earth Day started in 1970, but the environmental movement was really in its fledgling stages. In 1972, the United Nations scheduled the first conference on the human environment in Stockholm. Some view this conference as the beginning of the environmental movement. In America, dedicated conservationists, philanthropists, and animal lovers John and Alice Tyler were desperate to make a difference. President Ronald Reagan, who was then governor of California, helped inaugurate the John and Alice Tyler Prize in 1973. The goal was to create an international award that would recognize those working to preserve and enhance our world and inspires others to understand the importance of the environment. Who knew, right? The Tylers established the International Tyler Ecology Award as an inspiration to the global community in understanding the importance of environmental conservation. Recipients of the Tyler Prize are presented with the prize medallion and awarded $200,000. The first prizes were handed out in 1974 and three men were chosen for the award. Ariane Hagen-Smith discovered the chemical nature of smog and advocated for change. The air pollution research he started at Caltech has expanded to air quality research worldwide. G. Evelyn Hutchinson was a preeminent ecologist. His work in theoretical ecology provided the foundation of modern ecological practice. Maurice Strong was the founding director of the United Nations Environmental Program provided skilled diplomatic leadership in the international political environment arena. As we go through 2021, I'll be mentioning more of these award winners, including some of the scientists we celebrated this past year during their birthday month. Today is the day we are celebrating you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Wikipedia says Benjamin Franklin was born on January 17, 1706, and died on April 17, 1790. Franklin was one of the founding fathers of the United States and a leading writer, printer, political philosopher, politician, Freemason, postmaster, scientist, inventor, humorist, civic activist, statesman, and diplomat. As a scientist, he was a major figure in the American Enlightenment and the history of physics for his discoveries and theories regarding electricity. As an inventor, he is known for the lightning rod, bifocals, and the Franklin stove. Wow, that's a pretty long list of credentials. I better get busy if I'm going to match his accomplishments. But what does this have to do with an environmental podcast? That's a good question. Here's what I didn't know about Ben Franklin until I was looking for a good candidate for our birthday celebration. Franklin's connection to the Gulf Stream. When Franklin was postmaster, he became interested in the North Atlantic Ocean circulation patterns. Maybe that's what sidetracked U.S. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy during the election. While in England in 1768, 
Franklin heard complaints wondering why it took British packet ships carrying mail several weeks longer to reach New York than it took an average merchant ship to reach Newport, Rhode Island. The merchantmen had a longer and more complex voyage because they left from London, while the packets left from Falmouth and Cornwall. Franklin learned that the merchant ships routinely avoided a strong eastbound mid-ocean current. The mail packet captains sailed dead into it, fighting an adverse current of three miles per hour. Franklin worked with experienced ship captains, learning enough to chart the current and name it the Gulf Stream, by which it is still known today. When Ben was 16 years old, he started eating a vegetarian diet. He saved money and thought the diet gave him a greater clearness of head and quicker apprehension. Franklin also declared the consumption of meat to be an unprovoked murder. He did begin to eat fish after being tempted by fried cod on a boat sailing from Boston, but he continued to be a vegetarian on and off during his lifetime. And lastly, Franklin was the first person to develop a pro and con list. That was way back in 1772. Franklin describes dividing a sheet of paper in half with two columns, one labeled pro and the other con. My pro and con lists are started and finished in less than an hour. Franklin took three to six days to narrow down his decisions. I don't need a pro and con list to know that the show is over. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, please tell your friends. I'll be back in two weeks with more exciting news from the world of the environment. Until then, good night, Galileo, and good luck, Joe Biden. Thanks for listening to A Breath of Fresh Earth with your host, Rick Friedman. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you're the first to hear new episodes. If you want to nominate someone for Climate Hero of the Week, send it to Rick at the link below. This has been A Breath of Fresh Earth. Thanks for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.